Okay, welcome to episode three of Bridges, Maps, and Medicine. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, this is a podcast where I interview various teachers, bridges, uh, knowledge holders, and just all around interesting folks that I'm meeting on my travels as I tread this path of healing and awakening. So today we have Satyama Lesby, who is a uh, neo-tantra workshop leader and yogi and masseuse. And um, we're going to be talking about many things, tantra, I guess, which is a very big topic. And I just want to say I've just pretty much finished the seven-day tantra intensive that uh, she ran, and it was incredibly profound and deep, and it helped me heal stuff that nothing else I've tried could reach. I guess what I learned is that, you know, so often on the healing path, you think it's just you and your issues and your trauma, and I'm going to drink ayahuasca in the woods because I'm a lone wolf, and I'm Matthew McConaughey and Interstellar, and the only way to heal stuff is to go inside of it. But really, I've realized a lot of the wounds that we carry have been caused by other people who are usually fairly fucking traumatized so the only way to really sort this out is through relational healing which is why it was a bit of a breakthrough to do this workshop because a lot of it was group work and um yeah i I endured some pretty confronting but healing rituals uh some ritualized nudity Genital meditations, Tritaka genital meditations. I have never stared at another man's penis for such a long time. I've never had my penis stared at for such a long time. But it was like their, you know, accepting gaze just burned away the shame that I had around my body. So it was actually very de-armoring and healing. And I'm glad I did it. I feel more comfortable and now willing to expose myself in public. So... I'm not sure if that's a good thing, but, uh, well, no, on a healing level, that is a good thing. So I'm glad I did it. Um, but you know, I'm not trying to paint it like this workshop was all that sort of stuff. The majority of it was, you know, nothing to do with nudity. A lot of it was actually very non-sexual, you know, and probably the most powerful thing that I went through there was completely, you know, non And we just talk about this in the podcast that, you know, there's this big, um, image problem that neo-tantra has where people think of tantra and just imagine a bunch of people you know in the woods having an orgy smeared in body paint and wearing animal costumes or some shit as new age music plays but it's not really like that thank god and um yeah the the actual final ritual i did was probably the most powerful one and that that was very that had nothing to do with any of that it was everyone was just dressed in white and the men were sitting around in a circle and then, you know, we consecrated the ceremony and the women came in as the divine Shakti, channeled that sort of feminine energy, danced around and then sat down in front of us one at a time and really tuned deeply into us and then would pull this sort of spontaneous mudra or pose to mirror what they'd sensed inside of us. And then they'd change partners. So I had like just very intense experiences with like the 12 of 13 women who were embodying everyone sort of just became women in my life that I was able to have sort of conversations with that I probably wouldn't be able to have with the actual real people and so you know 
I had I was told that I was good enough from this woman who my mother came through as. I don't know why it always comes back to my mother. I'm working through it. Um, I had another lady who, uh, you know, became the, this feminine archetype, child fairy goddess mother, sort of. Actually, not a mother. That's too many mothers. No, it was just a fairy goddess sort of child archetype. And I was kind of absolved of my, you know, male misdeeds against the feminine from a lack of awareness and ignorance. And another lady became all the women I, I had ignored in my life just because I hadn't found them sexually attractive. And so I was able to have a conversation with that aspect of the feminine that hadn't been seen because of that male superficial shallowness you know that we 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 can sometimes have and um yeah another one you know i got i got i was kind of given a good talking to as well by another by another feminine lady like just basically being told hey it's time for you guys to step up and shit and after it ended, uh, man, it was like a drunk ayahuasca. It was almost more powerful than ayahuasca in a way, you know? Like, I just felt like, I felt like I was tripping. I never knew that you could trip off sustained eye contact, but um, there you go. If you want to get high, guys, just stare into someone's eyes for like an hour, and I guarantee shit will get weird. So, it was a really good workshop. I recommend it. And, um, you know, we did it on this island in Thailand called Koh Phangan, which is a really weird place. I mean, you should just go there just to see it, you know? It's like um, kind of new age colonialism a bit, you know? It's like it's like if a music festival never ended, you know? People just refused to go home and just set up shop and just had this sort of servant underclass of Thai people catering to all their Western whims, which was, you know, a weird vibe, but I'm glad it's there. And look, I ate the pizza there, so not judging so I'm part of the problem but yeah look the point is that it was a really good experience and I also just learned a lot of stuff that I wish they just told us you know when we were younger like if I just known about this shit when I was a confused 15 year old I think a lot of suffering would be avoided on both sides of the fence you know if they just they should just teach Tantra at high school I think that would be maybe not the more advanced, you know, tantric sexual practices, unless it's a very progressive high school. Um, I don't really know what I'm talking about now. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, look, my point is, <laughs> you know. All right. So uh, I just got informed by my producer that that last comment is potentially offensive and it will make people... Uh, think that I'm uh, uh, a pervert or, or he, he actually said that people might think that I was a pedophile so I just want to uh, be clear uh, that this was a joke I am uh, an ex-comedian and um, I, I was high when I recorded that intro I, I'd eaten a bit of an edible and um, I, I just, uh, I just uh, improvised that and I left it in there. And now I have to apologize in advance to the public um, uh, because if I, I release this and someone takes umbrage, um, uh, there's a good chance like these days that I'll get canceled um, and that people will go on a social media rampage for saying something like that. 
So I just want to say, uh, if anyone is offended by what I just said, then uh, feel free to cancel me. I I want to be cancelled. I I don't want to be a part of uh, um, the, the 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 discourse. I, I don't I don't actually want to be a member of the the human race. I, I don't, I'm not really too happy with where it's at right now. So please cancel me. Uh, spread it wide um, and out of context that I am, in fact, endorsing tantric at, at schools. Um, and and tell everyone that, uh, that that that's what I'm saying, and that's actually not a joke at all. Just say that I'm being serious, and cancel me. Um, I dare you to. I, I want you to. I want you to cancel me. I uh, just get it over and done with, so I can move on with my life and be free. So yeah. So I just needed to say that. Sorry, Dan, uh, my producer. Um, I don't want to edit it out because uh, that's just the deal. So just just put in this bit after that bit to explain, you know, where we're at. Thanks. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this interview with Sacha Malesby. Uh, here it is. Okay, so today we have Sacha Malesby on the deck. <laughs> so how would you consider yourself a tantric yogini or? Gosh, uh, I don't really like definitions, but I would say, first and foremost, I'm a yoga teacher. And okay. then I would also say I'm a retreat leader and I have a vast interest in tantra and tantric yoga. And what I do is work towards bringing those two disciplines together because I don't think one should exist or exists without the other. Uh, tantra and tantric yoga. Tantra and yoga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how did you end up on this path? Oh, I was a fitness instructor initially, part-time, when I, from a very young age, when I was 15. And then I kept on with that when I went into careers. Then from that, on the physical plane I'm talking about, transitioned into becoming a yoga teacher. So then I taught fitness and yoga in gyms. Then I dropped out of being fitness teacher for, I mean, there was this transition of about 10 years in my life where it's like, okay, fitness classes and yoga classes. And then the interest really was, okay, yoga is becoming so important and uh, has so much more to offer than just the physical body that the, my whole entire career also changed mm -hmm. with it and eventually left the whole uh, nine to five professional world. I was How um, long ago was that? Oh, that was like uh, 15, 16 years ago, okay. I, I would say. But the, from having it be like part-time interest mm -hmm. into like this is really what life is all about yeah, was, yeah. was that 15-year transition, I would say, where it's like, I don't really need to do this job-job thing yeah, anymore yeah. and have this be part-time and use my holidays to look at meditation and and yoga yeah. i want to actually do it all the time and mm. then i and then i had the awareness and the consciousness also to be well actually like i can do whatever i want all the time <laughs> so why don't i just leave this job thing <laughs> yeah. and do new job thing and uh that transition also was about six seven years like oh my gosh can i actually do everything I want to do. And for sure, yes. Like yeah. through the study of meditation, for sure, I, I had that realization and becoming very good also at what I was doing, which yeah, is yeah. a transition of yoga, 
really teaching a lot of yoga. I've taught it for 20 years, but then alongside that and living in the ashram of Osho. Yeah, the, but well, I, I was interested in Tantra before that too. <laughs> you know, like what really... was that like? Was that the one in Poon or? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but it wasn't when he was alive. It was, I mean, I was 35 and already had a very deep foundation of meditation. And then there was, oh, sometimes be in there and there's a Tantra course. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is interesting too. But I had dabbled a bit into Tantra before that as well, as there is a really unique quality of awareness and presence uh, that comes with meditation that I want to bring into uh, my personal life, into my sex life. And that link is there, but it's not so common. So when there's something that was like, oh, Tantra, I'm like, oh, I want to learn about that. I think that's a common thing that you've repeated through the retreat so far, which is everything's a meditation, Mm -hmm. which has been um, incredible. Can we talk about what happened? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, last night we had this um, meditation, a genital meditation which I found incredibly profound, <laughs> to say the least, and confronting as well. Um, but I think what I found is when you are confronted, you become present. So Definitely. Even yeah. when someone's just looking you in the eyes, you become present. You must. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And I guess what I appreciated about this retreat is actually how well, it began quite mild at the beginning. And I was like, oh, this isn't as crazy as I thought it would be. And... You know, because I guess Western Tantra gets a bad name, right? A lot of the time, it, it's, um, uh, you know, often construed as like some kind of sex orgy or something somewhere. Um, and I was just curious your thoughts on like what you sampled in Osho's ashram, their version of Tantra. Like, maybe we should even just try and like, how would you say it differs like the Western Neo Tantra? and and the traditional tantra like and mm. yeah maybe we can break this question down well i would say that western neo tantra is is making a very good attempt at um giving western people something that they can hold tangible as an activity or a meditation to do rather than okay well tantra is essentially about meditation as soon as you say to many western people meditation i mean their eyes roll back into their Mm. heads but as soon as you say sex to anyone i mean not just a western person then eyes light up because this is just the human condition Mm. you know it's like all of us know what functioning out of sensuality is it's just a matter of mastering the sensuality and not getting stuck in it Mm. and being able to use and move that that energy you can use it for sexuality if you want but then you can use it also to go towards enlightenment so it's just a transition of being super super aware and the Western Tantra would make the link between like all of the harm that is done in sexuality and taking it at a real personal level and journey and being like, okay, well, what has gone on in your love life and sex life and take it to a place of consciousness. And to do that, first you need to heal what has happened. Mm. And so we do activities and meditations and confronting things like uh, genital tratica, for example, to say like, hey, you know, this is very, very sacred and profound rather than I'm doing this because I'm drunk and stupid and horny. (laughs) So there's a really big uh, leap that can be made there if people are willing to go into 
a layer that that is more personal and vulnerable than they normally are just functioning in a one-on-one conversation mm. or being 20 or 30 and just saying I want to have sex this is also okay but it's not tantra so the the tantric element can't for me exist without meditation there's a lot of questions I want to ask here <laughs> like how would you describe what went wrong with modern sexuality? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, how did it happen? How did it end up in this point? Because I had a very profound experience yesterday where we did this naked Shiva Shakti ritual where I was naked and I was staring at this other woman and we had to call her over and she came up to me and without meaning to, I spontaneously began like telepathically like seeing her as the archetype of the feminine and apologizing for the misdeeds that I've done to her. Mm. And saying, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to, I didn't know, I was just responding out of my own trauma. And then the lady I picked was a very sweet, loving, mm. a very forgiving lady. And I just felt this real absolution. And then she called me over and I went up to her. And then then I started going, but actually, you've you've actually messed me up too. <laughs> <laughs> and doing that yeah, thing. For sure. And then she looked at me and said the same thing I said to her. I was like, well, yeah, I didn't really mean to. I was acting out of place of trauma. And then I just got this message like, oh, this is like the Israel-Palestine conflict, except uh, no one really knows how it started. <laughs> you know, so. Interesting. Well, I, I'm not saying this is the truth, but uh, that's just kind of what came to me in the moment. Like, Right. How does it start? I mean, it goes as far back in biblical terms as Adam and Eve and making this grandiose mistake, you know, of eating the apple and then having shame. Mm. Uh, And that's also something that we work towards in Neo-Tantra that I don't know if we even talk about in, in Eastern Tantras. Where do we go wrong? It's because the human uh, is made to, to keep procreating uh, the human race. Mm. And so they're going to keep doing that no matter what. And and that just stays. We've looked at chakras a lot in this um, this retreat. And why do we look at them? It's just to be aware of that the fact that we are driven first to survive, then to have this pleasure in food, and, and that's still survival. And then also to have power that still can be there without super consciousness and without heart. So that's where we go wrong. Mm. It's actually the place when we don't have heart and we're just taking and getting what we think we need. That's still being in the mind. And so when you add in that element of consciousness and awareness and being like, oh, let me take myself sort of, if I can, out of the mind. Or can I keep open in the heart and still be loving, generous, whatever it might be, while I'm having sexual pleasure? That's where all of it, those chakras are are turning on. Mm. But it's just because, okay, one of them's open and one time we're horny and it's all fine. But it doesn't mean that it's tantra. It just means that you're being a human being. And then human beings are humans and then they have shame and guilt and you know, projections and all the kind of things that we we also deal with with Neo-Tantra. So I would say a Neo-Tantra is probably doing a good service in bringing awareness to these things because without it, Tantra probably wouldn't be looked at so much. But it is, I think it started with its door opening in Osho's ashram in the 80s. And Osho was pretty revolutionary and also like, hey, let's let's put people in these situations where they're acting out a lot of things so that they're dropping their mask, but they can still stay in their power 
and be who they are, even though they're act, they're in a total role. And if you can become comfortable in a total role, be it, I mean, even here we're looking at, okay, play somebody's mother, for example, or play Shiva when you're a woman, so that you know what it's like if you can step into another person's role, perceived role, and then see what that feels like. Then our understanding, our compassion, our comprehension and healing will happen to see like, oh, okay, at one point in life, that can be me, for example. Maybe the, maybe I do just want to fuck, you know? And uh, and to be like, that is fine, that is human, and that's uh, what, we'll, what we'll do. And to be very aware that shame and guilt are there and to own it rather than to put it out on someone else. And that's why we do forum as well, to say, you know, we, we need to own everything that happens. Mm. And if we don't, it, it's just another cycle that'll revolve around again until we get it. Yeah, yeah. I actually found that forum exercise very... Um I don't know, uncomfortable. Mm. Even just talking about, I think it was because you're talking about the stuff that's only been in your head up until that point mm-hmm. in front of people. It's also a profound community tool, though. It's in your head. And then how do I get it out of my head? Mm. And I'll, I'll what just, a um, step. preface for people who don't know what the forum exercise, mm. we basically sit in a group and then one person goes into the middle and they basically discuss a very pertinent life or emotional issue with everyone. Um, in great detail and candidness. <laughs> and um, yep, so carry on. <laughs> well, the magic of the forum is that it's being witnessed by everybody. I mean, you could just stand there and talk about the whole thing uh, without it even being facilitated. And because it's being witnessed, the truth actually is revealed in the witnessing mm. experience. And yeah. so at one point, maybe, you know, you have a conversation with the five of your friends and say the same story, but it doesn't have the power that it'll have because everybody sees and, and it doesn't even have to be commented on. It's just who is revealing it, especially when provoked with a few different questions uh, to to ask, to be very reflective and think, oh, is that story I'm telling myself that's in my head mm. really, really true or is it? that it's in my head and I haven't put it out there yet or it's just between me and myself or me and my family or me and my lover or whatever it might be. But it, uh, it does have a depth and power when you can reveal something that you probably have been keeping to yourself because you're not so proud of it. We keep those things yeah. to ourselves. Yeah. That's where the guilt and shame that needs to be released. That that has a lot of work still to be done in society. Yeah. And, and I guess Eastern Tantra it wouldn't really that's it almost seems like western neo tantra draws a lot from like group therapy mm-hmm. like from the 80s and 90s sort of group therapeutic sort of style psychodrama sort of stuff mm-hmm. but i guess both their aims are towards the liberation right and and the the dropping of masks so I mean, I mean, yeah, that is the aim, right? Of meditation, even is to be liberated. If yeah. you can be free from yourself, the last thing to be free of. Yeah, uh, you know. But uh, I guess the meditation is a very individual route, sure. and this is very interesting because I'm. I was previously on the plant path, which is a very much you're you're you on ayahuasca you. by yourself mm-hmm. in the woods, mm-hmm. and then now it's very relational group sort of stuff, which has been um, very interesting. Uh, we did an exercise yesterday, which involved uh, public 
nudity, which was very um, confronting. <laughs> <laughs> You're being confronted a lot in this retreat. Well, that's why I came. <laughs> right, um, great. Yeah, and um, it was actually very powerful for me. I actually, I guess what I've seen is like, it seems like Tantra is aimed at trying to get people into their hearts and their higher chakras, but what's stopping everyone is everyone being stuck in their minds. So like, how did that how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> how did that happen? Tell how us do the, tell us the deal. Lines? I mean, What's your theories on that? I wouldn't say I was the best person to ask about why get people get stuck in their minds because if anything, I'm attached to the body. Oh. You know, I, I said at the beginning of this that I was a fitness instructor since I was 15. Oh. This fascination that I have with how the body works and functions in an optimal way is very much my path on how I experience life. Love massage. I became a massage therapist also on, on my spiritual journey because, oh, I just love it so much. And, and I love pleasure so much. Pleasure of the body, pleasure to put stuff in my mouth, you know, pleasure through sexuality. And um, I, I mean, it's not that I, I'm not an intellectual being, but it's not the first thing I'm going to go to either to resolve. It's like, okay, I'm going to look into a felt sense. This is often an exercise that we think, okay, breathe into wherever you feel this pain or the trauma into your body. Immediately, if you ask me how I feel, I'll start like looking at how the, my body feels instead of anything else. And then once the body feels great, I, I can transcend you know, up that. And so the body is essentially associated with the first, second, third chakra as well. When we go up into heart, you don't need a body. I mean, you don't need a, a body necessarily for what the mind does either. It's just our house. And so the question was, what, how does it happen? And that we... Oh, I'm just wondering if, if like, I feel like a lot of the issues with where we are right now is like an excessive mind-based culture. Mm. And I've been trying to work out obviously with my mind because I'm a mind guy <laughs> like how did we get to this point like and it seems like what I experienced yesterday was a very big revelatory experience because you know you're so stuck in your mind because I was like oh shit we're gonna get naked and I was like in my mind oh fuck this is gonna be really shit and no uh, no what a blah 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 and I was very I was like oh, I'm gonna feel so self-conscious and then when I finally did get naked and I had a big emotional release I wasn't self-conscious at all yeah. it's actually quite the opposite and then I actually went completely deep into my body and almost like an altered state of some kind, like similar to like how I'd feel if I had done some plant medicine or after plant medicine. And that stayed with me through till today until the forum exercise and I became super self-conscious after that. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, damn. But, um, but it made me realize that um, maybe part of the way that we are kept in our minds is through this body shame and disconnection from our body. Right. And I just was just trying to think like, how, how did that happen? And I thought maybe you'd have some interesting perspectives on that, but I mean, we all disconnect from ourselves in, in different ways. And that's out of the fact that we want to protect, you know, it's what we really learn in childhood kind of thing. Oh, if I do this, if I, you know, even in, in, in an exercise where I'll say, okay, everybody can't talk. It can be very profound because everybody wants to talk to feel better because mm. they are insecure or they're self-conscious or they're trying to justify something so everyone starts speaking. But when you take that part out, which is a, you know, it's a deep part of yoga and meditation, it's like take out that one sense talking. And then go deeper. Of course, it's going to go deeper. 
it's going to go deeper into the mind or it's going to go deeper into the body. It just depends on, you know, we're all different. Mm. We're all made differently. So on one level, you might be in the mind so much. On another level, it's like, okay, well, I might be in the body so much I can't function until my body feels good. Mm. Okay. Yeah, but the body will always give us signals if there's something wrong with the mind. Yeah. You know, if the mind is not fully clear and present, the body will get sick yeah. on a subtle plane first and then on a gross plane. And then it, and then accidents happen and it can also tell us well your you know, your mind wasn't there and so we gave your body a big thing so that you paid attention. That's how I learn. But different people also learn in different mm. ways, you know. It can be okay, and now all my emotions are cut off. That's still part of the body, but it's the mind and the body connected. There's lots of people on the planet that aren't connected to their emotional body. Oh, for you sure. Know. Yeah. Then they're just in the mind. Okay, well, I'm just going to take a computer job like we also see in the forum. And, and because it's in the mind and because it's easy and you don't have to look at feelings. Yeah. You don't have to look at what you've done. You don't have to look at shame. I mean, these things are painful for, for humans. And so if you don't need to look at it, many times we, we don't. Mm. And then we get, our bodies don't function as well. And then we have to. But we don't always have to. Yeah. And... I mean, I guess I've seen that in a few people in the workshop, including myself. Like, have you found there is a trend towards who comes to these kinds of workshops with you? And has that changed over time? Like, uh, now compared to how it was 10 years ago? Like, I think it has changed. I don't necessarily know uh, why. It's, it's vast. But I would say more people that are... You know, if they've got this office type of job or in the mind, they're looking for something else because they know there's something else, but don't know how to. I mean, for me, I have a, a physical practice every day of my life and I don't feel good without it. But if you don't, I mean, there's a long journey to go uh, to do that. And that's why I think people come. It used to maybe just be about Tantra, for example. But because I think there's such an element of yoga that's uh, pretty important that I put the yoga in it so that that can be a look at like why the subtleties of the body too. It's no, not I really like that. It grounds thing. the practice yeah. and physicalizes it. And also, yeah, so you can um, feel. Yeah, and also activates the nervous system and helps yeah. you integrate the previous day. That's what I yeah. found. Yeah, and there's a lot that needs to be integrated because we do, I mean, I do make it, it's called an intensive for a reason. So it's like, okay, we can put a lot into these seven days, but then that might stay with you and you might work it out and integrate it for a year mm. kind of thing until you, you take something on your own. And that's the real point of my hope is take a practice and then continue doing it on your own. Then you have become a real yogi or, you know, if you take some kind of thing out of a neo-tantric uh, practice take that and like show it to to friends and and lovers and your partner and that might profoundly impact someone else's life like maybe someone's never asked for what they wanted before or how they could be touched you know many times women or men they just be quiet and they take what is there but mm. if we can just have a conscious way of communicating about something that's sensitive then we're going to be further along the the path of really getting what you want, but also mm. giving what people want. Mm. Mm -hmm. I also noticed that there's a lot of masculine and, and feminine sort of um, issues being worked out in this workshop. Like, I was curious to hear where you feel we're at now in that process. Mm. Like, it feels like there's more men now tr tr coming online going, okay, um, 
something's got to, I got to do something now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, what, what do you see? And that's interesting because, uh, you know, you asked about the change and I would say before there was more women coming to these things and now just recently there's more men expressing interest in it. Um, like how recently? Like even in just the past few months. Oh, okay. That kind of thing. So I think there is a shift that's that's happening. I've been looking at polarity for a long time because of the yogic path and being like, okay, for me, the thing is I'm using and developing my masculine side because I'm teaching so much that I'm just longing to have this Ishvari Pranadaha and surrender mm. side to to my own personal life. But, you know, if I look deeper, can I really surrender? And then look for a very big Shiva where I can surrender. Mm. And that's where we're at now in coming to a place where women have been rising, rising, rising for a while due to this um, this desire, I think, to dissolve the patriarchy and just be seen mm. for who they are. And that has been so suppressed over years and years. So that's just coming about now where we have female tantric leaders and hopefully more female leaders of schools so that there is, um, I, I would have to say and dare to say, less of a risk of things going sideways. With female teachers. With female teachers I, I, and that's leaders. That's kind of why I picked mm -hmm. you. Because <laughs> I did go online and I was like, that guy's definitely a cult leader. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this guy sleeps with his students. Yeah, that guy's a predator. Yeah. So do you have any idea what the response of men should be in response to this rising feminine? Are you saying the rising feminine people, the, w the women the, who sort of the leaders now are more in their masculine and they need like, mm. or it's a more feminine based leadership thing? I would say it's more of a feminine based leadership. Okay. Like we, and it's softer. I, I mean, I have a lot of courage and I can put in stuff about sexuality and I'm happy I can do that. Not every female leader, leader can do that because it is so much work mm. and risk as well. Like to really put people in such vulnerable positions around sexuality, there's not so many places in the world that are, that are doing that and looking at that. I mean, we're looking at uh, for example, let's undo the damage that porn has done mm. to to everyone. I mean, yep. to the men that are watching it and being addicted to it, to them bringing it over into their sex lives and then having them put it on uh, the women that they are making love with and having it be something that turns into um, an expectation of pornographic behavior when that's not what women are actually really seeking. They want to have strong, powerful, Shiva-based kind of consciousness and presence and be taken so that they can surrender. So the man has to be very, very strong, but the ego and all those impurifications about what machoism does yeah. also need to be worked out and been aware of to be like, hey, I can be a very strong person without having all of this stuff and needing to put women down. Mm. And so there is the rise of the feminine and it's scaring the masculine. You know, it really is, that is the point that we are at where there's lots of, for example, on Kopangong, amazing goddess like women that are seeking uh, a male partner, myself included, and being like, there's nobody here. There's mm. nobody home. There's nobody that has been developed to a place where I can feel like he understands me, sees me, and also I can 
just kind of dive into the the whole vast realm of consciousness and be who I am and really not be judged for it either is a huge part mm. because with Tantra teaching it does come with that sort of judgment. Oh, you must like these sex parties, for example, or you must love Shibari or be into porn. And I'm like, no, mm. actually, that's not what I'm into whatsoever. But you need to dive quite deeply into someone's life to understand that. Not to not experiment with these things, because it's all very interesting, but those things aren't necessarily tantra with the meditation. And I yep. think that would be what separates sexualized stuff, mm. for example, and and freeing sexuality. I mean, we're at that place. I mean, Israel's coming out right now because it's a religious-based type of culture, and ISTA has become very, very big mm. in, in Israel, which is a kind of a temple arts program, similar to Neo-Tantra, but it's not really tantra it's looking at free yourself in your sexuality and be okay with this that's the first step and then yep. we'll get to the part of who's been looking at meditation and yoga and, and oh, practices okay. now because anybody can join a program if the people that will get more out of the program are the ones that already have a good meditation practice, practice. yeah and do they do the similar practices that you we are doing in the workshop. Some here. of them are, yeah. Some of them, yeah. Because mm -hmm. I guess there is the more extreme ends and more extreme states people can be put into. I don't know if you're able to share with your uh, experience like some of these things that you've seen. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I can even take an example of a community that we both know, Tamara, in Portugal, and they go into not into practices because they're not actually into practices. They're going into have sex, you know, have sex as much as you, as you can. And that you get to a place of, uh, you first need to have lots of sex to get it out of the out of your system because most of us haven't had enough of that yet. So when people are finally free to have sex and not be ashamed of it, which is a very rare place in the world, Mm -hmm. People that start coming there will, you know, the visitors will have lots of sex and make mistakes and whatever, and then they'll grow into consciousness. And so the ones that are living there as community members have gone through a lot of processes, reflections, forums to get to a place of, I don't need to have sex with the world. I'm really <laughs> going for love. But it, when freedom is brought in with sexuality, people do want to have sex with the world because they yeah. want to combine their freedom, what they have found out with the fact that they're human and humans want to want to have sex but yep. that doesn't mean that it's it's tantra but it can go extreme and just keep cycling around yeah yeah you know? so some people never get off that wheel exactly <laughs> okay. exactly you can you know even though there's some people still at Tamara that have loads and loads and loads of, of lovers and are still stuck in the same patterning, but could possibly get out of it if there was yeah. like a, a meditation practice there. But if there's not, why? I mean, why would I not, uh, for example, like to ejaculate? I like to ejaculate. Yeah. So there's lots and lots of ejaculation still going on in this kind of community. Whereas if you're looking at Tantra in a traditional way, mm. there is that uh, ideology and the desire to look at why on earth would I want to preserve my semen or my menstrual blood or whatever it might be. Mm. But that's all part of purifying energy and then having such a beautiful energy to share with another person. So I, I mean, I would say I'm, I'm also seeking for a beautiful energy. Yeah. I have noticed that with both yourself and Ax, the male mm -hmm. tantrica that I met. <laughs> <laughs> 
was like, these people are on a, a different uh, zone. <laughs> you did bring up like the, the polyamory side of commune living. And I am interested in, because it's a sort of thing that's become a sort of topic in mainstream society now even. Like, what's, what's your opinion on open relationships and like polyamory? What would you say the success rate actually is from what you've seen? I would say the success rate is actually kind of low. I would say the interest is very high. And and that's where we're at in society as well, is we're looking at that because it is a placebo to the fact that we all want freedom. Mm. We get in relationships and over time, say it gets to be about two years, the whole big, huge spark ooh, goes away for people in monogamous relationships. Mm. And then what do I do? And that's why people come to tantric workshops as couples also. It's like they have no idea what to do. They want to make it exciting again. They want to make it like it was or they want to pull another person, they think that this is Tantra. All of it is some kind of solution, but I wouldn't say it's a Tantric way necessarily. A Tantric way would be that you make love together and then you go and sleep in separate places. Oh. That's a Tantric way, for example, to keep the polarity there. But And that's what they actually do in Tamara. There's not so many couples that uh, live together, but they're doing it because you can imagine if couples live together and then they started having other partners, yeah, how many problems that would, that would create. And and they already spend enormous amounts of time uh, trying to resolve their conflicts with uh, open relationships, let alone let's all live together, like sleep together, I mean. Yeah. Um, but they do have sex with each other, sure, and then they bring that to the table. But that's a rare place, I would say, where there's such a safety of I'm allowed to do this and the community says that I'm allowed to do this and so I'm in this space and it's a bubble. Outside of that bubble, the success of polyamorous relationships can still, I would say, be quite low. We are new to to looking at them and doing them. So you're saying the success rate is higher because it's in a community yes, where it's where social... It's, that's what we're doing. Social standard is like, yeah, oh, yeah. okay. But that's what we're doing. And we've also looked at it for 40 years. We've looked at what the reactions are. We look at what happens when you feel guilty. We And, and we give you mirrors to, to make sure the other person feels included and that they truly are included and that you're not running away out of fear because now you've tried an open relationship and you must go back to the one that you love or the one that is your main partner. And we know that everybody wants a main partner and they want another lover. But how does the other lover feel? I mean, all of these things come out there and they've dealt with them for a long time. But when you're on your own and you're like, oh, I'm in a couple and I want to open it up because I want to have sensuality and sexuality with someone else. And then you try, it's turning into hitting, hitting a wall really with with most uh, relationships without the support of a community because people feel like they're on their own and unless they have lots of friends doing it and those friends know exactly what's going on it's very very difficult fear comes in and something will end and somebody will eventually get chosen as the one that somebody prefers it's not always equal in Tamara they're working on very much making it this fair you know this is everybody wants love everybody wants to have pleasure sensuality and they make it so that you can uh, find that you get that there. How, how do they do that? 
I mean, so in such a freedom of if you are in a forum, for example, and you embed uh, who it is that you want to be with or who it is that you are with. Also, you literally be in a circle and be like, I want to sleep mm-hmm, with that person. That, that can definitely happen. Yeah. So that's a, that's a way of embedding, uh, you know, the desire and intention mm. of someone. And in this, this particular retreat, we've been looking at intentions a lot. And so if you make that intention known... And you dare, you must dare, then the community will help you manifest with this intention if it's wanted by another party. Mm. And so it's less like me and you and I'm going to go approach Nick and see what happens. Maybe they have like a love uh, post more they'll call it, a deliver a message to to someone and say, would you like to meet so and so for that's kind of like primary know, school siesta, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it does somehow have an adult way of working where you know it's not uh, it's not a joke. It's actually like this is a real offer. Do you want to take it or not? Two o'clock on Wednesday. Wow. And and then you will go and and have an experience with that person if the two people have agreed and it's been arranged by someone else. That wow. could, that happens there, for example, or even because they've said, I've got this big pain with so-and-so. I mean, maybe all of a sudden a group forms and they try to resolve the conflicts between those people because it's known. It's not perfect, you know. I mean, there needs to be lots of some more social spaces there. But the social spaces, when you dare, are very important to hold that community together. And it's mm. not what everybody has. Mm. Um, you mentioned polarity and just for some people who are listening to this, they might not actually really know what you're talking about. Could you give us a crash course in that? <laughs> crash course. <laughs> well, I mean, we look at yoga to be like the ha and the thought of yoga or the sun and the moon. And those those two things are, are polar opposites. The heat uh, or the sun and the light and the, the dark or the cool. And so we look at that in terms of the masculine and the going forward and and Shiva and the feminine and the, uh, I mean, the creativity about the feminine, but also uh, what it's like to, to be receiving and to be in that place of observation. But we're also playing with it so that we go into each other's roles to understand mm. what another role would be. Because if we are extreme, then we need the other extreme to match us. Mm. And that's what uh, that's what we look for in life. We're essentially looking for us in the form of the opposite body if we are in a heterosexual field. Mm. Um, but it can also work with uh, same-sex couples, for example, as somebody would play the the female part and somebody would play the the masculine part if there's if there is not polarity there's less chance i would say of success in a relationship so mm. you do want that charge because we're attracted to things that we don't actually have yeah and yeah. for me i'm super attracted to people that speak other languages because that's not what i have uh-huh Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but look at, I mean, we can look at all of our lives and be like, why am I attracted to that? You know, it's, uh, yeah. or at the, uh, on the same token, I'm very attracted to somebody, the total male counterpart of me. Okay. I would also be very attracted to, to that. Somebody that who loved yoga and fitness and, and looking at these, these kinds of tantric things. I think I would also appreciate that. But what, you know, as we look at what is our perfect partner, that's why we look at polarity and think, oh, okay, that's either a really big alternative to to me or it's uh, in symbiosis. Mm. So you, you were saying like with where we're at now with the masculine and feminine 
there is a strong feminine upsurge mm. and then you're looking for a Shiva to match that. So you're looking for a strong masculine. I am, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess it varies with the person. But then also probably someone who's also in their feminine at the same time or... Also, because if it's so strong, like I do meet them, for example, like I live in Copenhagen, so I meet lots of Israeli men, for example. They are conditioned to have this very strong Shiva-esque type of uh, go-for-it quality. And so that's attractive. But without the refinement, it's not attractive. What do you mean by refinement? The refinement of, uh, of really understanding the refinement of what the feminine goes through on mm. a spiritual path. Okay. Yeah. So you can be very, very feminine, but, uh, but have no personality, no strength, or whatever it might be, and just be there. But does a very, very strong Shiva presence want just a watery feminine? It depends where he's at as well. He probably wants the polarity of himself. Mm. But the, I mean, there's lots of men out there that would be, for example, in Thailand, it can happen where men just come and they haven't been able to meet a counterpart in their own country, but they'll come and, and for example, uh, I'm at a risk of saying this, but they will take a Thai wife, for example, because they feel okay with that. They are higher up than, than this culture, which is not so balanced and it's not pure divine love, but that is would be a relationship of codependence sometimes or a relationship of convenience, but that's simply going into, well, that's, you know, not wanting to be alone. And yeah. on a spiritual path, you cannot uh, fear, that. Uh, fear being alone because you will be. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Um, but, um, and, and, it seems like there's a big transition phase as well now. Like there's a lot of confusion, I think, about gender roles and, and masculinity and femininity. <laughs> I think that's coming with the times. <laughs> yeah. What, do you have any theories on that or thoughts on that? Like uh, like I've got five friends who've – male friends who are having sex changes. Ah, okay. Uh, or gender reassignment. And I'm like, oh. Because I, I wouldn't have guessed it. And good luck to them. I've got nothing against it. But I was just like, oh, this is becoming a thing now, you know? So – or the how do you refer to somebody now? He, she, it, they. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the confusion is coming just simply because of the change of times and the fact that we have the freedom to to experiment and try out with what we want. I also experimented with this, I think, in my very early 20s and uh, because it was interesting. I wasn't in a pure on divine conscious uh, love and knew what I wanted. It was because a really strong woman who is a couple of uh, tiers above me and the the power chain really wanted me and I'm like oh this is so fascinating I want to try yeah and so I think this is happening because we can try things now and and there's a lot of work on non-judgment and freedom and mm. be as you are and we're not going to stone you to death for being gay or bisexual in fact we're going to be like celebrating the fact that you've yeah. said it that people are jumping on that and just being more free with whatever it is that so they you reckon want it was to attempt. Maybe under the surface all the time, and now it's just yeah, free yeah, sure. To I mean, that. we're jumping into roles all the time. I mean, we're not the same from one day to the next. And if we have the freedom, why not? You mm. know, I like to do to do different things, and and even you know, I can go down polyamorous route if that's the the feel that I have at that time, and be okay. Well, this is what I'm doing now, and now in 
another half year, maybe I'm fully monogamous or maybe I'm, for me, it's very clear that I'm not gay. Um, yeah. But it's, that can be a many, many years process for people to figure out this is what I am. This is the whole inner work thing. Who are you? What do you want? Hmm. I, I wanted to ask you on that topic of polyamory, like um, I've never fully experimented. I've had multiple partners, but one of the problems I found was like, energetic the energetic aspects of sex i would take on too many different energies and it would become quite confusing to my system is that I, i'm not sure if that's just me but is that like a thing in from what you've experienced in the sort of scene or it, it hasn't been the case for me but that also has to be i think it's pretty individual like i have said i've heard it from people saying oh that this now i'm confused and then the the typical thing that that some men I would say do is they go into their cave and run away because it's confusing. Then it makes it confusing for everybody. <laughs> so, you know, to really take on the polyamorous thing or have multiple partners, you need to be really, really clear in yourself. Those other people need to be very clear with what you're doing and agreements need to be made. But uh, those agreements also can be easily broken and people yeah. don't say everything. They're not fully transparent and the other people feel it and then trust isn't there so you can't really have it um, and have multiple multiple agreements and boundaries and I mean how is it fair to everybody if you're making an agreement with this person and then you make you want yeah, you know yeah. the other person wants the same agreement for, from you it's not going to yeah. to make any sense because I mean, for women, they want to be the one. I don't know about men. I think they probably want to be the one also. And they want to have something, uh, something want everything else. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we all want everything. Isn't this the truth of being human? Yeah. You want that thing that's in front of you, and it's just a matter of go back to the meditation. Is that thing in front of you the thing that you really, really want? Mm. I mean, we're on a path of like... Uh, the ultimate union, I think. And when the ultimate union is not there, you know it. And you just go for the second course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess the ultimate union would be the higher mystical states you can reach, sure. right? So sure. I'm interested, like, uh, what kind of healings have you witnessed from the sort of workshops that you run? Um, and also, what, what kind of altered states have you been able to access Mm. Uh, with these practices and and if you can detail what sort of, what sort of practices they involved uh, well I mean a lot of it has been without sexuality as well so we need to overcome that part and go into well I have uh, had a mystical state of moving energy freely throughout the body uh, but also not being in the body and being able to to kind of um, circulate that through another being system and my system would be, oh, wow, now I'm having a tantric experience. Or I've had one where it was looking at the soul level, for example, of knowing where my soul has come from and what my soul has been through in terms of two men that I was actually relating to. And they were both sitting with me and we were talking about what was going to be done at that moment. And my soul was speaking and I had kind of like a psychedelic experience uh, in in having one of them hug me and wanting to to have it be the, okay to be free to go have a, an interaction with the other one and my soul being like uh, going off you know saying is this really 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 what you want 
uh, and and asking the question and having all kinds of colors and shapes and <laughs> and, 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 and uh, mystical things happen to bring me to a point of your soul is speaking now, listen. And then as soon as came out of, you know, let's make it sexual or let's like not think about it anymore or being held, all of that went away. All also, of as soon as you did make it sexual. Yeah, I did make it sexual and it stopped. Oh, and, and so this is what I want to say about having a, a very high-level tantric experience is it doesn't actually have to be with sexuality. In fact, it probably isn't. It's with uh, with these higher chakras that I've been talking yeah. about. Well, I had a mystical experience yesterday when I was doing that genital meditation, right. staring at another lady's yoni, and I ended up seeing like planets and stars. Her yoni was obscured slightly by shadow, which helped. Um, and... I saw it as a portal of creation, yeah. basically. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember hearing from you like, oh my God, are you into this? Do you want to do it with the, the starting partner? And uh, and we don't know if we really want to go into We don't know if something mystical is going to happen until we're actually ha- I, having it. I wasn't it. expecting it at all. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, to be honest, the first three sets of generals I stared was just... Men. Dudes, penises, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they remained penises. They didn't turn into any um, um, solar systems or anything like that. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we go through lots of experiences in life and in tantra and in the name of tantra and and yeah. mysticism to get to one where it's actually authentic. And then when we have it, we're like, boom, that's what I've been after. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, I guess that's one of the big misconceptions. Eastern Tantra, at least, it's only a very small wing, which it revolves around the sex. A lot of the other practices are completely, you know, not related to that at all. Right. I mean, if you look at the Bhairavan Tantra, which is a, a book that Osho ha, has, uh, I guess, put out to to the masses, it's like, it's all these meditations and only 3% of the meditations are about about sex. So it's it's not so much about sex. It's really about you and your, and your path. And then the Neo-Tantra puts together like, oh, you know, we all want to, to have sex be a mystical, beautiful, energetic experience rather than something that is bleh and then end. And so if that's the link, you know, really of what what I think you've been asking is like, it's not so bad, Neo-Tantra. It has definitely a purpose that um, a lot of society can can benefit from. I guess it's just sort of been morphed into this sort of way in response to the needs of the Western culture. Yeah, sure. Is there specific kinds of healings or issues that you've seen in the collective that this kind of modality seems tailored specifically to sort of Mm. helping? Well, I mean, a general statement could be that we as humans, we all fear and uh when we when we expose ourselves the deepest deepest fears that we that we have are being alone so that's one thing uh rejection i think that would be another thing being stuck or held by another another one like not being free so freedom would be would be another one and the other main one that i've heard lots about is performance anxiety and so when when I see those themes, I would say, come up, this kind of work definitely uh, will try to face those fears head on. If we can overcome 
that fear or that story or whatever has happened to us before, then then we are more free. I mean, the main thing would be, are you liberated? Are you free? Are you enlightened? Kind of thing. If you can get on that track, then the fear becomes less and less. And, and we just keep trying, you know, through another person, another experience, another year of life. And, and it'll come up again uh, in the form of a pattern. We become more wise and then we can make a decision as to do I do this, make it sexual? Do I say yes, say no? Do I see it and catch it before it actually manifests into something that's hurtful or fearful? You know, I mean, the fear also to be aware of it is that uh, we fear it so much we make it happen. Yeah, I can relate to that one. (laughs) (laughs) All of us, I think, can. I've heard lots of stories from friends who've sat with predatory tantra sort of uh, facilitators and ones which aren't so held or ethical. Like, how do you how do you locate uh, a tantra workshop that is like? How do you navigate this world for someone who's not really knowing the world? I guess word of mouth is probably good, but. Oh, I mean, if I if I can, I I invite people to have a conversation with me before they come to a retreat. The thing is, is uh, we all resonate with different people, uh, and we all have different levels of experience as well. Like for example, Kopangang is a known place for sexual tourism, sexual predators. There's a history of it here, and so I wouldn't say it's uh, you know there's lots and lots of everything here. But it's very, I mean, Tantra is such a subject to go into already that, um, and sexuality is a very deep thing to be purified. Like you're going to take the high road, hopefully, because you become conscious, not because you learn how to manipulate someone into going to bed with you in the name of, uh, you know, I need to clear out this blockage or you've got something wrong with you and so I'm going to have sex with you and heal it. It's not the way it really, really works, although it can be. And so everybody's interaction is different. But to how to actually weed it out would say develop your own intuition and uh, go for it that way. But we all have our different ways of learning, different people that we resonate with, you know. And we're even though we have a group here of, you know, 20-some people, um, everyone's having a completely different experience anyway. I mean, I'm just a channel and a facilitator for these experiences and these exercises that I know work and that are profound because they've touched me in some way. And so if it doesn't touch me and it doesn't work for me, I don't put it in the workshop. But if it's something where I think, ah, this really can have an impact for people and I listen, okay, what's the theme going on here? Okay, then I can put something in there. But I also have the flexibility um, to pull that out of my, my own basket. Lots of people don't have that much experience yet because it's a, it's a new profession and it's a profession really that is, um, not monitored at all. Yeah. Well, you not know? in Kopangang. No, not in Kopangang. <laughs> I mean, there's not in a, you know, a society of Tantra teachers. And if there is, it's being made up uh, for marketing purposes uh, yeah. because we can't put a, uh, we can't put a mark on this. You know, this is being a human being. And we're, mm. we are all that. Sounds a bit like plant medicine scene right now as well. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly that, like this, you know. It's exploded and there's no way to police it and no way to say that's a good shaman, that's a fake shaman. Yeah. 
that's that's a person that has either had a lot of experience, hopefully with plant medicine and with people, and hopefully with meditation as well. Yep. Because if you hadn't, you don't understand what plant medicine is either. And mm. that's very clear to me because I also have a big journey with plant medicine. Oh, okay. Oh, man, I'd love to ask you about that. Uh, what, quickly, obviously we're running out of time, but what parallels have you found with your plant medicine journey and, and the Tantra path as well? Because I know a few plant medicine facilitators who actually – They've done a lot of tantric work as well. Well, I mean, for me, the, the interesting things, and I know for many people that come up with plant medicine, is the darkest, deepest, the stuff that people never, ever talk about, be that on the soul level, incestuals, stuff, stuff that's going on behind closed doors, stuff that you will never hear anybody talk about because it's so... Uh, and uh, plant medicine will bring this to light because plant medicine can help you take you out of the out of the mind, justifying, and really see things for as it has happened. And it and it's helped me to be actually, um, you know, in this in this path is that kind of messaging has come up for me, especially through my work with Bufo in the past couple of years. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, it, it sends my body uh, on a, on a huge roller coaster of screaming and crying and, and, and all these things are going on. It doesn't matter what the body is doing, but my soul is remembering what has been done to me uh, as a, as a woman again and again, because I didn't hold my boundaries. For example, I'm screaming no, in the in the ceremony, for example, is this uh, past life stuff or from yeah, this? Yeah, no, it's a past life stuff. It's not from this life at all. Oh, okay. But I've been given this life to be able to do this work to help heal the planet on this because it is so profound. I mean, what we do to each other as human beings it can be disgusting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it harms and it kills and uh, and it has a lot of undoing to be done. And we're in kind of like almost a baby moving into a pre teen stage yeah. with this and uh, lots and lots of more work needs to be done so that we don't harm each other anymore so I think it's a real gift and I encourage plant medicine but not without meditation because then you can just become addicted in cycles of plant yeah, medicine yeah, thinking that. oh this is healing and it's not mm. you must heal this yourself on a natural path yeah have you seen any dangers in combining the tantric path with plant medicines? Does, does it accelerate? Mm, not people? to me personally, but uh, I would say uh, yes. I've seen, uh, for example, facilitators give a, a bud of peyote to to a young girl, for example, and then use it as a you know a manipulation tactic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, and I've heard even here of uh, people being high on on ayahuasca and then the facilitator like uh, taking advantage this yeah, way. Yeah, All yeah. of these kinds of things okay. happen. Sure. Mm. Taking advantage. Yeah. It, it takes a very very strong being not to take advantage of the naive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Well, I think that's about all I have to ask you. <laughs> thank you so much. This was like really cool. You're welcome. And thank you for running this workshop. And um, would you like to like uh, plug anything that you're doing coming up? <laughs> or would you like me just to put that afterwards in, in the description and I can do that afterwards? Oh, I, I mean, I would say I'm open to having conversations with, with people that are interested in doing this, uh, this work. And my retreat business is called Open to Bliss. And you can... Look that up, open to like tobliss.com. All right. Well, I recommend it. I mean, we're day four or five now. And um, yeah, it's been just as uh, powerful for me as, as plant medicine. So um, 
Sikh Satcha Marat. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Thanks. Okay, that was Satyam Lasby. Um, if you want to contact Satyam or have check out our website, I'll put all the details of her work on the description of the podcast. Um, but she runs Neo Tantra workshops um, outside of Portugal. Uh, there's one in August in Portugal and in Copangnan, of course, in Thailand. There's one actually at the end of March. Um, which I'll actually be at because when I was flying out of Koh Samui, I just had this big heart message going, do this with your partner. And my brain was like, that's completely logistically mental money, time, um, you know, calendar. But I, I just thought, fuck it. I'm going to go back and do it. Um, because it was so effective. So I think uh, people should do this, not just for themselves, but for the collective healing, because shit's pretty fucked up, let's face it, between the masculine and feminine. So, you know, maybe there's some work to be done there. I'm not trying to tell you what to do with your lives, but, you know, there is some catch-up to be done on the man's side. And um, that's the deal. So please like, uh, subscribe, share this with whoever you think might find it interesting, and uh, drop Satcham a line if you're into doing her workshops. She also teaches Chine Sang and yoga. So uh, yeah, thanks to her and thanks to you for listening. Um, if you want to support this podcast as well, please go on the Patreon link in the description so I can pay my producer, Dan McHugh, who does a lovely job of editing this all. And so he can then um, buy food for his child because uh, he needs to feed his child. So give give us money for his child. Um, I don't know why I'm ending this podcast by emotionally blackmailing you badly, but uh, that's that. Bye. <laughs>